welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Well, it's my joy and privilege to welcome Pastor Janelle this morning, or tonight even, tonight. So open your hearts, get your notebooks out, and receive. Be greedy for all that God has for us. Amen. All right, are you ready? Are you sure? (laughs) All right, stand with me. Let's get into the Word tonight. I want you to go Old Testament. I know I did the Old Testament this morning, but we're going back. Because there are so many amazing truths that God has given us in the Old Testament. Uh, To the book of Exodus, and we're going to start to read in chapter 17. I mentioned a little bit of this in um, our leaders' meeting. And I argued with God about it. I said, Lord, I've already spoken a little bit about this. And he said, no, you need to preach it. <laughs> so I'm going to preach it. All right, you guys ready for it? <laughs> Exodus chapter 17, we're going to start to read in verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And Moses' hands grew tired. They took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Herb held uh, his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite armory with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray right now for an anointing. Lord, tonight, come, Holy Spirit, come. Even as you've spoken to me specifically on what to preach tonight, I pray that you would open the ears of the hearers, Lord God, that they would hear your word, that it will go deep in their hearts and in their lives. God, you would bring forth life, healing, and blessing. May your word come forth in power, oh God. Change us, transform us by your word and by your presence tonight in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. As I was um, standing here in praise and worship, God showed me a picture and I, I wouldn't say it's a literal vision, so I'm not sure what it all means. Okay. So I'm, I'm just proclaiming it like the Lord showed me. I saw um, three giants, uh, one on this side, One on this side and one in the back. And the one in the back was kind of short. Praise the Lord. I like it when giants are short. Easier to beat up. Amen. (laughs) But one on one side was called tradition. And the other side was called error. And the one in the back was called division. And I felt like the Lord is saying that there are hindrances from the gospel going forth. And that things of tradition have tried to stop the gospel from moving here in Ireland. 
I don't think it has anything to do with this church. I think it's Ireland as a whole, the tradition. And then the place of error, I'm not quite sure. I don't quite understand it. In fact, I argued with God a lot, and he said, no, that's the name of that, uh, that's the name of that giant is error. And I felt like it may mean in the place of trying to say, no, this isn't right. No, this isn't right. No, you can't do that. Lots of judgment and wrath upon the people if they erred in any way. And the last was a division. That the devil has tried to come to divide the people, not only in the nation, as I know, the north and the south, but divide people in marriages and in families. And I said, well, that's nice, God. That's really depressing. Thanks. Where's the encouragement for the people of God today? And I felt like he showed me a picture of a plant that was growing in the midst of the giants. And it was a, 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 a bamboo shoot. And at times, the bamboo shoot has looked at it was nothing and little. But all of a sudden, I saw the bamboo shoot joining together with other bamboo shoots and becoming a strong fortress that removed the strength of the giants. And it wasn't about, because I wanted to, you know, get a ninja in there and drop kick the giants. How many of you in the place, that's what you want? That's what we want. Boom. But I felt like the the... The bamboo shoots are growing and getting stronger, and then it, they, if you know anything about bamboo, bamboo takes over areas. If you don't put a structure around it, it will take over. And these bamboo shoots are the church, are you, and you're going to be taking over and requiring the land from the giants. They will have no place to stand anymore. And with that, I come to the sermon tonight. The Lord is awesome. <laughs> we see in this passage of scripture about Moses and Joshua. Now, if you were looking at a medical journal, and in fact, I tried to research it online, but of course online, you don't know if it's really true or not. Uh, in online, they said that the world record for holding up your hands was nine minutes. Now, how many of you have held up your hands longer than three minutes? In fact, medically speaking, they say if you raise your hand up three minutes a day, that actually helps with circulation and the blood flow and actually brings healing to your body. So come on, lift up your hands. All right, now every day you got to hold them up for three minutes. This is like a praise break, right? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody just praise the Lord for just a moment. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't he good? Okay, you can put your hands down. But when we look at the text, Moses held his hands up for the entire day. Now, even praise and worship, I can do probably about a minute. And then I'm like, okay, next side. Praise the Lord. Okay, next side. Hallelujah. Oh, this is a good part. Okay, bring them both down because they're cramping. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Lord, I love you. Let's pull them back up. But Moses held up his hands all day long. When we look at this text, Amalek has come to fight. And we see it uh, responding from Deuteronomy 25, 17, and 18. It ex actually explains what happened in this part where the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They came out with gold and silver and family, right? And God has already provided manna. He's provided water from the rock. It's been awesome. God is bringing them to Mount Sinai where he's showing forth his glory and his covenant with them. But all of a sudden, these Amalekites come and hit the rear of their camp. So all the slow people, 
that would probably be me, uh, all, all the money and the animals, they came from the back to attack the children of Israel. And Moses said, no way, you are not touching our women and our children. I am, we are going to fight. And in fact, this passage of scripture is where Joshua is mentioned for the first time as the servant and assistant of Moses. Now, Joshua at this time was probably about 20 years of age. That's a youngin. Well, it's a youngin to me, maybe to some of you youth. And that's, that's wow. That's awesome. Just like Caleb right there, 23, youngin. It's a youngin. And Joshua was a youngin. Now you have to make you have to see this picture because Joshua has been laying bricks since he was a little kid. He knows how to make bricks, get the straw, get the mud and make the bricks. That's all he's known. And now Moses speaks to Joshua and says, okay, go fight. Go fight these highly trained people, Amalekites who have swords, who have shields, and they got nothing. How does he fight? And in, in, not just go fight, but I want you to gather all the men and go fight. Joshua, who has no influence, a young man who's just an assistant of Moses, is called to rise up and to fight. They were slaves. They were nothing. And now he has to be a warrior. Moses says, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to stand on the hill of the Lord with a staff in my hand. Now, that staff in, of Moses, what he had in his hand, he defeated against Pharaoh. In fact, when we see through the book of Exodus, when he's speaking to Pharaoh, what happens? He raised up his hands and the locusts came forth, right? He raised up his hand, he raised up his staff in his hand, and the sea was turned to blood. Whoa, the power of God. The gnats came forth in Exodus 14. The Red Sea uh, came forth. Actually, the Red Sea parted when the staff was in his hand, and he lifted the staff over his head. Water from the rock was hit with the staff. Now Moses lifted up his hands. Why did he lift up his hands? Well, it represents worship, right? Especially in today and age, we we say it represents uh, surrender to the Lord. But in Jewish tradition, it actually meant intercession. That when he lifted up his hands, he was praying and crying out to God. Even into the place where he couldn't do alone. He couldn't do it alone. Aaron and her had to stand on each side of him to hold up his hands. Now, can you imagine being Moses? He imagined seeing Joshua, who was a slave, who knew how to make bricks, now with all the men of their army trying to go after the spoils that the Amalekites had stolen from them, trying to defeat the Amalekites from everything that they uh, have and what they're going to do. It was just like the devil to try to rob the promise, to try to steal what God had already spoken. Well, as we know... The sun set, and they had victory. And Moses' first response is to declare, the Lord is my banner. He honors God. God is the one who fought the battle. God is the one who, who, uh, who brought victory. It was not me standing up on the mountain. It was not Joshua down in the field. It was God who did it all. God brought victory. In fact, that banner is a military uh, 
concept of military commander, and a monarch would be seen by the banner. And they said, the Lord is our banner. He is our rallying port point. The Lord is our protector. The Lord goes before us. It is the one we serve. It is not man. It is not Moses. It is not Joshua. It is God. The rod of God became the banner of victory once again. In fact, the Lord is our banner. It was almost that the rod was the banner of God, the power of God that was shown to all of Israel. God won the battle. And Moses is then commanded to remember. And God speaks to Moses specifically to write down what God did. It's very interesting how we must remember what God has done because it's super easy to forget. So easy to forget. In fact, if we just sit down and remember how we got saved, when we got delivered, how our family got healed, our marriages got healed, what miracles God has done, we have more than enough testimonies to fill every single day and to drive our neighbors crazy about Jesus. But we forget. And the enemy uses our forgetting <laughs> to captivate us in doubt and fear. But when Moses is commanded to remember, he actually is commanded not only just to remember and to write it down, but to give it to Joshua. Give it to the next generation of what God has done and what God is going to do. Powerful. Powerful. You see, when you give your testimony, it inspires people. It inspires others. Wow, God did it for them. Maybe he could do it for us. It reminds you of what God has done and the power of God and grace that has covered your life. And it encourages greater faith. If God could do it again, he can do it now. If God did a revival once before in Belfast, he can do it in Bangor. He can do it throughout all of Ireland. Hey, if St. Patrick, right? A crazy boy who was a slave and then came back because of the call of the Lord can transform all of Ireland with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How much greater can we who have known the gospel, who are operating in a powerful church? Why don't? Why not? Let's change the world. If God did it once, he can do it again. It encourages more faith. But you know, in this passage of scripture, I believe the strength that came from this passage, and I believe what God's speaking to us tonight about, especially with the giants that we are facing in this land, is we have to have breakthrough together. You see, you're stronger when you're together. If you do it alone, man, the devil's going to beat you up. One little sprout isn't going to do anything against the giants in this land. But together, the church, together, you, together, in your gifts, in your talents, can do it. Now, Moses could have just stood up on top of that mountain, hallelujah, and in a matter of three minutes, what? Arms go down. He couldn't have helped with the victory. Even if Moses stood up there by himself and had his hands raised and had rocks under his arms, okay, I've got all the power, no victory would have come. Even if Joshua went by himself to go conquer the enemy, victory would not have happened. 
You see, it was all four people plus the entire children of Israel that brought victory together with God as their banner. Victory depends on us doing together. The prayer, the fighter, the fighting, and the unity. That's why the church is so important. That's why the gates of hell try every way possible to stop the church of Jesus Christ. That's why there's so much division and confusion. <laughs> Which church is the best church? Whatever one you're involved in should be the best church. You're in this church. This is the best church. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Help me here. <laughs> Not the church down the street. Oh, I wish I was a part of that church. No, no, no. This is the best church. Now, there's amazing churches out there, and you can say that. You, you go to a great church. Oh, yeah, that's an awesome pastor. But I'm, I'm a little prejudiced. My church is the best. That's what I tell people all the time. Now, are we the best in everything? No. <laughs> Am I the best pastor? No. Am I the best preacher? No. But we're the best together. You see, we've got to grab a hold of the power of the church, the power of what Jesus Christ is doing. Neither person was more important. Moses wasn't more important than Joshua. Aaron wasn't more important than her. <laughs> All of them together brought victory. In fact, I think it's quite interesting, a lie of the church um, historically is that one person is more important. Ooh, the prophet is the most important in the house. I prophesy. I'm not more important. Oh, the worship leader. Oh, they're the most important. If they're offbeat, they drive me nuts. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and this worship team was not. Hallelujah. But they're not the most important. Oh, the pastor's the most important. Yeah, the pastor is very important. But neither position is important. Oh, the usher is the most important. Yeah, they're very important. They're the very first person that's welcoming people into the house. But all of us together, all of us together. You see, you encouraging your pastor makes a difference between whether they'll show up next week or not. Hey, you guys don't understand. Being a pastor is hard. We constantly get attacked by the devil. We get attacked by our own self. We get attacked by the spouses and the children. Right, Daniel? <laughs> we got the worries just like you do, but we're carrying also all of the people. Oh, I wonder how they're doing. I'm going to pray for them. I've been praying for all the people in my church. Oh, this one's sick. This one just came out of surgery. Oh, Lord, help that marriage. Lord Jesus, intervene upon their behalf. We carry it for you. But if we don't get encouragement from the house, why try? I should just give up already. We're constantly fighting against the people to serve the Lord. <laughs> Jesus, help them. Why should we fight? You see, you are important. Divisiveness is so horrible. It's evil. And that's why the enemy tries really hard to break apart marriages. Because if he can divide a marriage, he can divide your children. If he can divide your children, he's got the next generation in his hand. And he can divide their marriages and their children. And it spreads like wildfire. In fact, in the United States of America, it is the saddest thing ever where marriages are split up again after again and again. And then the children are hopeless and angry. 
and they hate marriage. And the devil gets the next generation upon the next generation. And that's why even now families are divided. And the nation is strongly divided. Why? Because division. It started in the house, went into the family, then went into the church. And now is affecting the nation. Divisiveness is so evil. That's why Paul pushes really hard in Titus 3.10. Warn a divisive person once. Warn them twice, and then number three, have nothing to do with them. Proverbs 6, verses 16. The seven things that the Lord hates, someone who sows discord. If you're sowing discord in this house, ooh, watch out, the God slap is coming. (laughs) Because division is not from the Lord. See, there is power when we do it together. Each person is important. Everything you do in this house is important. It's important to God, and it's important to your pastors. Number one, victory depends on doing it together. Number one, each person is important and needed. We all have different strengths. We are all needed in the battle. You know what I find is so hilarious is Moses was 80 years old when that happened. 80. Aaron 83. And yet Aaron's supposed to hold up Moses's hands. <laughs> Sorry, I got a vivid imagination. <laughs> this old guy holding it up, trying, trying to hold it up, and Aaron's coming alongside. Anyway, okay, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Can you imagine trying to do it? But each person was important. Their giftings, their talent, their calling, their purpose, it is all important. And I love it where God says, what is in your hand? You see, Moses didn't know how to do a whole bunch of stuff, but he had something valuable in his hand. And I ask you the hard question tonight, what is in your hand? What's in your hand? You say, Pastor, I can make a a great palova. Did I say it right? Oh, that is in my hand. Well, you better bless the church with that thing because it's phenomenal. Hallelujah. Say, well, pastor, I love kids. That's what's in my hands. I got six kids running around. I know how to do kids. That's what's in your hand. Well, pastor, I'm a good business person, or I can do sound, or I can do lighting, or I'm a great encouragement. That is in your hand. You see, so many times in the church, we, we negate our own gifts. Oh, well, I can't preach, so I'll just sit here and watch. But maybe you have the best smile ever, and you should be standing at the door welcoming people, just drawing them in, giving them big hugs. That's a gift. There's one guy in our church, uh, when I first met him, I thought, whoa, he's kind of scary. And he was like a biker dude. I'm like, ooh, let me just be really nice to him. Hopefully he doesn't pull out a gun and shoot me while I'm preaching. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, he sat there, arms folded, just looked at me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then he came the next week, and his wife came with him, giving me the look, arms folded the whole time. And then the wife wasn't there. And I said, oh, how are you doing? Where's your wife? Oh, she couldn't come tonight. She was working. Well, I'm glad you came. And then the mom started volunteering at greeting the door. And one Sunday, she couldn't be there. So he was at the door greeting people. It's a little scary. 
But you know, I walked out there just to see how everybody was doing and greet them. And you know, he smiled. And when he smiled, the entire world changed. Like, it was like a glowing that happened. I was like, dude, you have a phenomenal smile. And he's like, yes, I do. <laughs> and did you know that he's one of our best greeters? And he is using what God has given him. What is in his hand? What is in your hand? What has God given you to do? You see, something that God has given you to do, nobody else can do. They'll try, uh, but it's weak sauce is what we call it. Like not hot sauce, it's like weak sauce where you're like, what? What is this? There's no power, there's no strength, it's just weak sauce. But if you have that gift in your hand, wow, the power of God shows up. You see, position isn't important. Obedience is. Joshua obeyed Moses. And God poured out his power. God used him. You see, it's not about your position. Oh, I have to be on the, on the worship team. I have to be on the stage. Or I have to be the leader. No, no, no. Position isn't important. Obedience is. Joshua did exactly what Moses told him to do. And God showed up. You see, when we stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, we're not going to be judged on um, how much money we put in the bank. We're not going to be judged on how big our house is or how nice our car is. We're going to be judged according to what God has called us to do. And you say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I've been a great mom. <laughs> I've been a great mom, like Pastor Hillary. I've been a great mom. That's what God called me to do. Well, God called her to do it, what was in her hand, and she did it with all of her might. You know, the only reason why I'm saved and preaching the gospel today is because of my mama. My dad is phenomenal. He is a great preacher, great leader. He's awesome. But as a kid, I needed a daddy. And my mom would shake heaven and earth, <laughs> even if she had to kidnap my dad. <laughs> when we were out of school, she would grab us, and we would go spend time together as a family. At least once a week, we would have dinner together. We would talk. We would laugh. We would have fun. And we had a dad, not just a pastor. Changed my world. That this is my daddy. It's my pastor, and he's awesome, but he's also my daddy. If it wasn't for my mom, I don't think I would have ever seen my dad. <laughs> he had too much vision, too many things in front of him. You see, what God has called you to do, you're going to be judged for. Not for what you think you're supposed to do. Well, I'm supposed to be the best businessman and give a million dollars to the church. Well, maybe you're called to be an usher. God's going to judge you on what you're called to be. Not what you have visions of. Does that make sense? In fact, uh, John Bevere writes about it in Driven by, De Driven by Destiny, that we will be judged by what we were called to do, not what we think it is good to do. That's why we must know what God's called us to do. We must walk in his purpose, walk in his plan. But not only is each person important and needed, but number two we see in this passage of scripture that dependency, that victory depends not only on each person, victory depends on prayer. The dependency on prayer brought the change and brought the increase. Moses depended on intercession. We see Moses in the beginning of Exodus where he tried to fix a problem by himself, right? What was that problem? Well, an Egyptian was beating up one of his fellow Israelites. 
And so he's like, I'm going to fix the problem. He sounds a lot like me. I'm like, I'm getting in there. I'm going to change this thing. Um, and what did he do? He killed him. That was not God's way. So he runs from his mistake and runs from his problem. And here we see Moses now face to face with these stupid Amalekites who came to destroy him. Man, I bet that anger welled up within him once again to say, I'm going to get him. Let's go beat him up. But instead, he goes, okay, I'm going to intercede and pray. I'm not going to be on the front lines. That's going to be Joshua. I'm going to do what I know will actually count, pray. I'm going to stand with my hands lifted up. We have a church that we started over, over 20 years on the island, the big island of, um, big island, it's the big island, <laughs> and in a place called Honoka'a. Now, it's on the side of a mountain. It's a cute little town on the side of a mountain, and uh, it's much smaller than here. Well, it's taken us years to build a church. And every single demonic thing would stop it. So we're, we're building this church. We've got the plans. Everything's done by the county. And it just takes us money. we got to get money. And it took us a long time to get the money and finish it. And then we go to get it signed off. And we're like, okay, we did it all. According to the plans, here you go. And they go, oh, you know what? The things have changed. Now this whole wall here needs to be back up another six feet. So you've got to change everything. Oh, wait, you know what? Those plans, they're really old. Now you need an entire parking lot in this whole area, and you need a tunnel and a well and millions of dollars. We are not going to sign off on it. The only time we've had breakthrough is when there's a time of fasting and praying for 40 days, and then all of a sudden things begin to shift and things to begin to change. But it's been 20 years, and we still haven't gotten the signed Certificate of occupancy yet. We're in the building, praise the Lord, for the past two years. Illegal, but we're in it. <laughs> we're going to keep fighting. We're going to do what God's called us to do, but it depends on prayer. Things change when we pray. One can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. See, things change when we're together. It's a multiplied effect. That's why I love the prayer meeting. When you guys gathered together, man, it didn't matter who was leading. You were going to pray. I was so encouraged because you have that dependency on prayer. My grandpa, Dan Morocco, who was a missionary to uh, India and the Philippines, when he passed away on the flyleaf of his Bible was written a phrase, if a minister of the gospel doesn't pray two hours a day, he isn't worth a dime. Well, my father read that, and he's like, well, I'm not even a penny. <laughs> I pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Why isn't that good enough? And he got hit to the heart. I better pray. So he started praying two hours a day, and he thought he was doing good. Oh, I'm such a man of God. Oh, praise the Lord, right? Then he goes to Korea, Dr. Cho's church in Korea. I don't know if you've heard of it. And uh, he's going to be preaching in front of thousands. And he's picked up at the airport by uh, one of the staff people. Not a pastoral staff, just one of the staff. I think he was cleaner or a teacher or something. I don't know. He was just a staff person. And they're driving and they're talking. And the driver talks to him and he says, so how many hours a day do you pray? I got this. I pray two hours a day. The driver was silent. 
It says, you have to pray three hours a day just to be on Dr. Cho's staff. Not a pastor, just on his staff. And doctor was shocked. Okay, Lord, increase my prayer life. Now, sometimes we think, oh, we're just so anointed. We can go and shake the world. We're going to cast out demons. And we're not ready. <laughs> and we don't even realize that we're not ready because we're not prayed up. We've got to be prayed up. We must have a dependency on prayer. And the apostle Paul writes in Colossians 4 to Ephritus, his one of his leaders, and he says, I'm always praying fervently for you. Day and night I pray for you, interceding on your behalf. He talks about it over and over and over again in his letters. Why? Because prayer is so important. And you say, okay, yeah, yeah, pastors, you pray. You, you better pray five, six hours a day. Yeah, pastors, you pray. No, because we are all ministers of the gospel. Okay, wait, wait. We are all ministers of the gospel. You are on the front lines. You got to be praying. Let's say you pray five minutes a day. I'm glad you're at least praying five minutes a day. Let's increase it. Let's do 10 minutes a day. Let's do half an hour a day. Come on, pray in the spirit for a half an hour. Pray for an hour. Pray for two hours. Start praying because our dependency on prayer will bring the victory. But thirdly, not only doing it together, each person is important, our dependency on prayer. But thirdly, we've got to fight. Moses was up on the mountain praying. Joshua was in the midst of the war fighting. We've got to fight. In fact, in this passage of scripture, the term Rephidim there, I went and researched it because it makes a mention of it that it's a specific place where they were in battle, was at Rephidim. Do you know what the term Rephidim means? Rest. It was in the place of rest that the enemy came and attacked. Whoa. That'll preach by itself. I've heard it so many times. Oh, pastor, I just need some rest. I just, I just need to take a month off of ministry. You know, I'll do this later. I just need to rest. I'm so tired. Can I tell you what happens? They don't come to church one week. They don't come to church two weeks. Oh, pastor, I'm watching you online. We love you, pastor. We love you. And soon you don't see him third week, follow up with him. Hey, where are you? I know you're resting, but you need to come to church. Fourth week, now they're backslidden. They won't return your calls. They're doing all kinds of sin and evil. And you're like, dude, what happened? You were a leader. They rested. And in the place of rest, that's where the devil came and attacked them. That is exactly what the devil does. Yes, we need places of rest and peace. But don't take too long. <laughs> in fact, uh, Dr. Morocco, he's, uh, he's kind of a workaholic. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, you get vacation days, but you got to remember, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. I'm like, Dad, I need a vacation. Oh, good, take a vacation. But hey, what about this, and what about this, and what about this? I'm like, wait, did you just add three more things to my plate? In fact, it was interesting. Oh, it still happens today. But uh, Dr. Morocco, my father, he's awesome. I don't know how he does what he does. There's been so many times I've walked into his office, and I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. It's over. 
I cannot. I was at that time, well, actually many times, but at one specific time, I was the administration of all of our churches. At that time, I was working 40 hours in the office, plus another 20 hours, and then I was pastoring a church about 45 minutes away from the main church. And I was doing that beyond the 40 hours. It was at least 20 to 30 hours plus the drive. <laughs> I'm done. I want to kill everybody. I'm done. <laughs> I can't be a pastor. I'm done. <laughs> I- I'm leaving. I'm going to go to the mainland. I don't care where I'm going, but I'm out. I'm out. He got me in his seat, and he's like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. In the matter of five minutes, all of a sudden, He's given me more work to do, and I'm more excited about doing it. I'm like, how did he do that? Wait a second. That is a gift from the Lord. Because he knew if I was just, I'm done, the enemy was going to come in and lie to me, destroy me, destroy the vision and the purpose. We've got to fight. We've got to fight. Even in the place of rest, you never give up on praying. Never give up on fighting the good fight of faith. Don't let go of your guard of being holy and righteous. You see, the enemy will always attack us in our weak places. Always in our weak places. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, it says, In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. As we seek him, as we hunger for him, his power is made strong in our weaknesses. You see, God wants to do mighty things, but we've got to fight. Our pastor in Mozambique, Africa, she's hilarious. She's 73 years old. She's Hawaiian. And she's, her daughter went did missions in Mozambique, Africa, and married a Brazilian guy, and they lived there. So she would go over there and visit them. And there was no really powerful Christian church. So she said, I'm going to start a life group. And then that life group grew. She's like, I'm going to start a Kings. Let's start a Kings in Mozambique, Africa. So she did. And then all of a sudden it grew. And now we have seven churches there and they're all indigenous people. Well, we finally bought a a piece of property, which was a miracle from God. And we're building a church and it was all done by offerings, specified offerings and places. I, I don't know where she got the money from, but praise the Lord, she got money. And they're building this church in the middle of the land. And it's been over 10 years. Well, as they're building the church, these leaders that are a part of her staff are actually building the church. They've got plans and then they're doing all the work. Out of nowhere, these leaders who live actually next door, six mambas had come through their land. The black mambas, who are the most uh, dangerous of snakes, came right through their land, coming straight toward the builder's house, and they caught six of them. And they have little kids that are in their yard. Six of the mambas, and it didn't happen until they were building on the land. And I can tell you, you know what those people did? Did they run away in terror? No, no, no. They're going to fight. They're going to take the sticks and the, the, uh, the stones and kill those mambas and start praying. And they prayed. And they prayed. And now a harvest is coming in there. The building is built. And God is doing it. But we've got to keep fighting. Don't stop. Don't stop because you're tired. Keep fighting. Yes, take a nap. Praise the Lord. <laughs> In fact, that's Dr. Morocco's answer to everything. Just take a nap. You'll feel better when you get up. Just go take another nap. <laughs> Dad, I'm tired. Go take a nap. Let's keep going. Let's keep fighting. Don't let the enemy win. We've got to do this together. Don't let the enemy bring division. Don't let the enemy bring error. 
or tradition to try to stop you. Do it together. You see, when we do things together, we are stronger. One of the great things I love about King's Cathedral and Chapels, we're small churches all over the place. We've got several big ones, and it's awesome. But we do life together. We call on the phone every week. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? We visionize together. How are we going to do this? We do it together. And that's the only way. A tiny little church on the island of Maui is now in 473 locations around the world. Why? Because we're doing it together. We're stronger together. You see, here in this place, you're stronger when you're together. You say, okay, pastor, I want to do a life group. All right, let's do this together. Get three people together. We're going to do this. Oh, oh, pastor, I'll have a ministry. I want to I do a ministry of this and this and this. All right, let's do it together. Don't just do your own separate little thing. Bring it into the house of the Lord, and let's be stronger together. Amen? Amen. I believe with all my heart that this church is going to grow and multiply. And I believe you are becoming that bamboo shoot that is going to take over this entire island. Do you believe that? Stand to your feet. Now tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to come face to face with God. Because there may be some things that are keeping you from coming into unity. And as I prayed, oh, I don't want to say it. As I prayed, I felt like there was a, a prideful thing that has been a root where the enemy has tried to call, cause division. And even as I was preaching, and you say, well, but pastor, you don't understand. Pastor, you don't understand. Pastor, you don't understand. That's pride. And the enemy is trying to uproot what God is wanting to do here. He's trying to come and pluck up that plant with pride. And the enemy is trying to come and dissolve, but God has a plan. So what we have to do, and if you'll allow me, and of course it's not about just saying a prayer, it's about your own heart before God. The best thing we can do is repent. The best thing we can do is repent and walk humbly before the Lord. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just come before the Lord and repent. You know what the Lord has reminded you of today as I was preaching. And God exposed some things in your heart and in your mind. Let's repent before him. Lord, we come before you right now and we repent. Lord, of attitudes and thoughts, even words that we've spoken. God, we repent how we've demeaned people. We've demeaned each other. Lord, we repent. God, begin to wash us and purify us. Come on. You just pray before the Lord right now. Holy God, help us. Help us. Lord, we cry out to you right now. Come and just begin to wash us. I pray right now every pride and arrogance that may be in this land, God, uproot it. Uproot it. That it will have no place in us, Lord. I pray right now that you would come and you would bring, Lord, a hunger and a desire for people to be in the house of the Lord. Oh, God, that you would do it. You would bring forth life, healing, blessing in and through your people. God, that we would walk in obedience to your word. Oh, come on. Just begin to pray. Begin to pray with your spirit.
Holy Spirit of God, come. Holy Spirit of God, come. Come in power right now, Lord. God, I want to see miracles in this house. I want to see signs and wonders happen, even in the streets of your glory coming. Lord, for salvations to happen even in our jobs. Oh, God, bring it forth. May we be a tangible presence of your Holy Ghost that draws people to repentance. Lord, that every assignment of the enemy of tradition, of error, of division would be broken off, oh God. Come on, just begin to cast it out. Oh, we cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the name of the Lord Jesus. And we ask, oh God, that you would come. You would come in power and use us. I want you to put out your hands before the Lord. (laughs) What's in your hand? Maybe God has given you finances to advance the kingdom of God. Maybe God has given you uh, a caring and a love that you can love your neighbors. You have an ability to influence people. I don't know what it is. Maybe you have a teaching ability, a training ability. Maybe you love to sing or play instruments. What is in your hand? I want you to take that right now and just begin to offer it to the Lord. God, this is what is in our hands. We ask, oh God, that you would use it. You would use it, oh Lord. And you would use it for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, come and use us. Lord, whether it's words of knowledge, words of prophecy, words of encouragement. Oh God, that you would use us. Lord, whatever little thing is in our hand, whatever big thing is in our hand, we give it unto you for your purpose, for your glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to make one more call before we lay hands on everybody. (laughs) When you say, Pastor, when you talked about prayer, I realized I got to pray more. How many you say, Pastor, I'm going to make a commitment today to pray for the next three months. I'm not talking about forever and ever. I'm talking about for the next three months. You say, Pastor, I'm making a commitment tonight to pray an hour a day. If that's you, I want you just to lift up your hand and make that commitment right now. See those hands all over the place. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes. All right, leave your hands raised. Now, there may be some of you say, Pastor, I can't pray an hour a day, but I can pray a half an hour a day. If that's you, just lift up your hand. All right, more hands. Good, good. You say, well, Pastor, I can't pray a half an hour, but I'm going to pray more. (laughs) I'm going to pray more. Come on, lift up your hands. And some of you may already be praying two, three hours a day, and you say, I'm going to pray more. That's your hands lifted up. We're going to pray for you right now. Lord, I thank you for each hand that is raised. Holy Spirit, as they're making that commitment, I pray that you would remind them. You would stir them up to pray. You would wake them up to pray. Oh, God, that there would be breakthrough in their homes, breakthrough in their marriages, breakthrough in their jobs, breakthrough in their finances, even as they're crying out and praying, God, that you would show up in their homes. Holy Spirit power would come and erupt upon their homes. Oh, leave your hands raised right now all across this place. God, I pray for a revival of prayer, a revival of prayer, a breakthrough of prayer. Oh, that you would blind the enemy as they pray. Lord, you would weaken the power of the enemy as they pray. Oh, God, fill them up. Pastor Colleen, come. We're going to lay hands upon everyone. So uh, if you could just play some praise and worship music, we're going to lay hands on every single person in this place. So you just seek the Lord, and we're going to come and lay hands on you.
thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps in blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.